Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fans of, in the NFC East, analysts in the NFC East, Philly analysts are going to say, oh, look at Waller. Uh, he turns 31 this fall. He's, he missed 14 games over the last two seasons. How many times have you seen that line, Dan, in the last couple of weeks since they made the trade? Uh, I guess people forget that Darren Waller caught 107 balls uh, in 2020. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons in 2020 and 2019. That wasn't too long ago. Basically, he was Travis Kelsey for, for a few years there before he did battle some injuries. And it, here's my other, my other favorite one, Dan. It's like, oh, man, he's breaking down. He's breaking down. Last year, it was a freaking hamstring. It was a hamstring. It's not like he's coming back from like a, a you know, an injury like Sterling Shepard's coming back from. It was a freaking hamstring. So, Darren, drink some water and stretch and you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like, get out there. Some shiny new toys for Daniel Jones as the Giants kind of go hog wild in the first wave of free agency. We'll be breaking down all the key moves the Giants made and giving our reactions to it here coming up. But first and foremost... Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good friend, Dan Benton. It's the Giants Wire podcast powered by the USA Today Network. Uh, Dan, you've been very busy the last couple of weeks. I've been worried about you. How you doing? How you holding up? <laughs> Hanging in there. Tired. Uh, very tired. Not as tired as I am after the draft, but but pretty close to it. Uh, that being said, though, it's been fun. You know, the Giants, they've been, they've been quite busy. Joe Shane's been hard at work. Uh, doesn't stop. Dave's doesn't stop. And uh, although they, you know, it seemed a little slow to start, they've really picked up momentum. And uh, as I'm sure we'll talk about here, have committed the most money of any team in the NFL here in free agency so far. Yeah, I saw that uh, that article by John Fenley on Giants Wire, and I was like, "Holy crap, Joe Shane is uh, he's doing his thing." And 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 I was thinking about that a little bit. I was like letting that rattle around in my head. And just thinking back to last season a little bit, uh, Dan. Last year, I kept calling the Giants a cute little story, right? And, and what I mean by that is like. They were winning games. They're pulling off upsets, all these fourth quarter comebacks. And and, and all of that happened with with a lot of us, at least me, being like, wow, these Giants, what a plucky little team that's overachieving while the front office is like hitting the reset button and evaluating the roster. And we're not really sure who's staying, who's going, what's going to happen in 2023 and beyond. Uh, so it was a cute little story. Uh, that was the 2022 Giants, I thought. I thought it was a team that kind of overachieved during a rebuilding year, if you want to put it in a, like a, in a shorter way, a more you know, palatable way. But I don't think we're going to feel that way about this 2023 team, right? I mean, as John wrote, they're spending big. Uh, they've added speed and legitimate weapons around Daniel Jones, which we've all been bitching and clamoring for, right? And we'll we'll get into the big ones here coming up, obviously. They've added nice pieces on defense, and we we got to mention they've kept Mike Kafka. They kept Wink Martindale. Those are those are big, you know, retentions in the coaching staff. Huge, the, huge. Those are huge. huge. I don't think the Giants yeah. are going to be plucky overachievers anymore, Dan. Like. I think the front office saw enough last year to feel comfortable in investing. They're investing and they're going for it. And I think when we get to week one of the season in the fall, Dan, it's, we're going to be in a different mode, right? We're, we're, it's going to be a different feeling, a different aura around Giants football. Like it's going to feel like we're going for it in week one go, in, in 2023. And that's a refreshing little change for this team. I'm I'm really excited. And it's all it's all thanks to Joe Shane and and ownership and everyone for investing in this team. I, I think we're going to have a really fun 2023 because of that. 
Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Listen, it's going to be the first time, like you said, that Giants fans go into week one and are, you know, legitimately excited about what the season could potentially bring. Obviously, every every time you go into a season, things reset and there's some level of optimism uh, regarding what a team can do and what potential they have. But for the first time, you know, since their Super Bowl win, Back in uh, 2011, the Giants, you're looking at it now and it's like, you know, this team has a legitimate chance to make a run in the playoffs. Now, do I think they're a Super Bowl caliber team at this point? Eh, Maybe not quite yet, but they're getting a lot closer to it. They're certainly closing that gap. Uh, And I think Victor Cruz this past week said best the expectations for this team have been set now. You go into this offseason and you make you know, all these signings, you improve your roster, you add depth and you, you, you know, strengthen what were weak areas. The expectations have been set and those expectations are playoffs at the minimum. So the giants are, you know, and their fans are going into this season for the first time in, in over a decade saying the playoffs are the goal. That's the minimum. Where can we take it from there? And that is very exciting uh, for the fans, for the team, for the players. Um, and you, and you've seen it from the players, you've heard it from the players, especially a lot of the incoming players, which we'll talk about here in a second. They, they all kind of sung the praises of Joe Shane and Brian Dable and each of them. And even you're seeing it in prospects now in prospect interviews, they're meeting with the giants. All these guys are, are, are spitting the same lines out saying, this is a team on the rise. This is a team that's growing, that's getting better, that the expectations are getting higher and that they're on their way to where they need to be. So it's universal, uh, it seems like, you know, because in years past, we saw a lot of reluctance to sign with the Giants. And in some cases, it was about taxes, which is, look, that's a legitimate concern. You you saw Odell actually talk about that um, earlier this week as well, that he's got to account for, you know, high taxes. But beyond just that, look at Florida, Dan, right? Florida's a little more appealing. But, you know, whereas that used to be the go-to line to not sign with the Giants, now the players are kind of ignoring that and just going, hey, this is a team on the rise. I could potentially win a championship here. I want to go there despite the fact that I'm going to get taxed uh, at a much higher rate than most other states. And and I think that's a, that's a huge deal for the Giants because for the longest time that had crippled them. But now the optimism about the team, the love of the coaches, the love of the staff has sort of overwhelmed that. And players are like, yeah, this is the place I want to be. Well, I'm glad you shared that little tidbit from Victor Cruz because, you know, I spit out a, a bunch of words there. And that's that's why, Dan, I think I went from, you know, journalism, sports journalism into live events and podcasting and stuff like this in my career, because it takes me a long time to get to the point. Um, and uh, Victor Cruz, uh, yeah, the expectations have been set. That was a perfect way to say it. I yep. said a bunch of words, but that was the, the, the great way to put it. And I'm here for it. I think it's great. Uh, do you want to start talking about Daniel Jones's new shiny uh, toys? New shiny weapons? You want, you want to get there? Uh, dive right in? Uh, I, I, listen, I, there is one glaring issue, but obviously there's still a lot of time left to, to repair it. I think the Giants definitely have to fix the offensive line. But as far as the skill position players, the talent around him that we've been yearning for for such a long time, you know, you, they've added Paris Campbell, who's a super speedy guy. They brought back uh, Sterling Shepard. They brought back Darius Slayton, super speedy guys. Um, they made that blockbuster trade for Darren Waller, which is just who saw that coming? That felt like it came out of left field. That was um, awesome. Yeah, and that really changes the, the entire dynamic of this offense and how they're going to function and what they're capable of doing because he can line up at every single position, not just tight end. He can line up across the board, create mismatches all over the field. And now you and he's fast too. You know, these are all fast guys. They're big, fast guys. Um, you know, for the most part, obviously, a lot of them are 
you know, the, the slot receivers, it feels like there's an abundance of those suddenly. Uh, but in Mike Kafka's offense, they're going to be able to move those guys around and create separation via routes on the field. Um, and that's going to be a, a big addition to this offense because it's something that they're lacking. And now they have a Darren Waller who, while they don't have a true wide receiver one, he can serve as that number one you know, in that number one receiver role. And that really opens things up for the Giants, especially when they have, you know, bring back guy like Slayton who could stretch the field. Um, so there's there's going to be no more selling out on stopping Saquon Barkley. Uh, there's going to be no more selling out on rushing Jones because his, his wide receivers aren't fast enough and aren't generating separation. All of those issues that have plagued the Giants on offense, assuming they can get their offensive line in order, they've been repaired and I still don't think they're done yet. People mocked DJ's weapons last year, right? The previous years. Now, when you look at this list of them, I mean, starting with Sa- uh, Saquon Barkley, obviously who they brought back, they trade for Darren Waller. You bring back Isaiah Hodgins on the on the exclusive rights tender, right, uh, Dan? You mm-hmm. sign Paris Campbell. You bring back Darius Slayton, who I thought was probably going to be going elsewhere, Dan, but I was pleasantly surprised that Darius Slayton wanted to come back. I think that's just love yep. for the franchise. Sounds like he, yep. Yeah, sounds like he took less to come back, yep. actually. Yep. Wandale Robinson, can't forget about him. He was injured a lot last right, year, but right. he's still on the team. Sterling Shepard, we all love Sterling Shepard, and we know what kind of player he can be uh, operating out of the slot and one of DJ's favorite targets. Still have David Sills. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys on this list now. You still look at it, and you're, like, you're saying, oh, hmm, a lot of speedy, a lot of versatile wide receivers. I get it. Who's the number one target? I think it's Waller, right? I think Waller's the guy that's yeah. got to elevate this entire uh, – group this group of skill players and i think you could do it now i know a lot of uh, people probably fans in, in the nfc east analysts in the nfc east philly analysts are going to say oh look at waller uh, he turns 31 this fall he's he missed 14 games over the last two seasons how many times have you seen that line dan in the last couple of weeks since they made the trade uh i guess people forget that darren waller caught 107 balls uh in 2020 back-to-back thousand yard seasons in 2020 and 2019 that wasn't too long ago. Basically, he was Travis Kelsey for, for a few years there before he did battle some injuries. And it, here's my other my other favorite one, Dan. It's like, oh, man, he's breaking down. He's breaking down. Last year, it was a freaking hamstring. It was a hamstring. It's not like he's coming back from like a, a you know, an injury like Sterling Shepard's coming back from. It was a freaking hamstring. So, Darren, drink some water and stretch and you'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like, get out there. So, I, I don't know. I have high hopes for Darren Waller, and I think he could be the guy that that elevates the team. But I was texting with you after the trade. You think he's the number one, right? He, he basically is the de facto number one target, number one receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Unless something changes where they, you know, go out and sign Odell or draft one, manage to draft one of these top end wide receivers. But as of this conversation, their depth chart, he is their number one receiver. There's no doubt about it. Now it's supplemented really well by everybody that they've added or brought back around him. Uh, and, and of course, you got Saquon who's coming out of the backfield who, you know, he's going to get an increased number of opportunities to the through the air now because, you know, Waller's going to be able to clear out all that underneath traffic that usually is what bottles up some of those slot guys, what bottles up some of those guys coming out of the backfield. So, it, like I said before, it's going to change the dynamic of Mike Kafka's offense. And now you've added an abundance of speed, which the Giants didn't necessarily have before. And, you know, that's going to change the entire game. Um, I, I think it's going to be great so long as they can, you know, shore up that offensive line and give Daniel Jones time, give these guys time to run around a little bit. Uh, but you're going to see a drastically different offense this coming season than you did last season. We're forced to watch a lot of Kansas City Chiefs games, Dan, because they always they're always in the AFC Championship game. They're 
usually trying to get to a Super Bowl. So I, you know, just as a football fan, I see a lot of Chiefs. I see a lot of Travis Kelsey. And every time I watch a Chiefs game, I'm like, why the hell is he always wide open? Why is he always uncovered? Freaking somebody cover Kelsey. It's because when you have a tight end that you can split out wide and put all over the formation yeah. and, and create mismatches, you get you get him in space and you can attack. And, and this is what you could do when you have this kind of player. Hopefully Giants fans start to come to appreciate that with Waller because he is definitely a guy that can light up like a wide receiver like the Chiefs do with Kelsey um, mm-hmm. and create all these different mismatches. And then never mind all the other uh, players the Giants have around him, all the speed, all the good route runners, Paris Campbell. You know, I know we haven't seen his full potential. He's been banged up, uh, you know, yep. early in, throughout his career. But uh, he seems like a good little player. He was a good little player last year for the Colts. Uh, so I don't know. He played well against the Giants. I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. he did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a couple of the Colts that are now Giants played well against the Giants last year. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like you said. It's it's just it's a mit, um, mismatch nightmare. Is is essentially what uh, Waller brings to the table. It's kind of you know almost almost in the same vein of, of a Jeremy Shockey who Waller said, you know, he grew up a fan of, grew up a fan of the Giants, which is awesome. Um, you got to love that. Now, yeah, listen, the injuries when it comes to Campbell, when it comes to Waller, there's there's a concern there, you know, especially when you've got other guys like Wendell Robinson, Sterling Shepard, who are coming back from injuries, Darius Slayton, who started last season injured, uh, Daniel Bellinger, obviously who's still going to play a role, got poked in the eyes. He had a couple of injuries last year. Um but assuming that all these guys can stay healthy and, and listen, the likelihood of all of them staying healthy, it's, you know, it's not a high probability, but the chances of some of them staying healthy, you know, that is a much higher probability. And the fact that they're deeper now that bodes well for the giants. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overall the, you know, they, they've drastically improved. There's a lot to work with. You're going to see that Kelsey like maneuverability, that scheming that Mike Kafka did, which you actually saw last year with Bellinger at times and Lawrence Cager, who's yes. another one who's sort of an overlooked, large, speedy, athletic talent. I think he's going to play a role. I think those are going to be the three tight ends the Giants use. All three athletic, all three capable. Maybe their games are a little bit different than each other, but that's a good thing. That versatility is a is a good thing, and I think that's going to bode well for the Giants. And I don't think that Daniel Bellinger's role is going to be drastically decreased. If anything, the Giants do run a lot of two t- two tight end personnel. So, if anything, he might actually have more of an opportunity uh, with Waller on the team than he did last year, and he showed impressive hands that many didn't expect that he had while his you know his blocking game is is really his bread and butter and he's only going to get better in that regard too so the giants overall yeah they they have drastically improved on offense yeah that tight end room uh, actually it, it complements each other now a little bit better uh it's great and again you know people are going to drop the hot takes and say waller's an old fart who can't stay healthy and again he's 31 he's two years younger well, than kelsey and he had well, a hamstring. Listen, think about year. it. Hamstring. Exactly. And a year ago at this time, we were talking about how Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley uh, can't stay on the field. They're, they're, they're not healthy. They're never healthy. The, you know, ha, ha, ha. They're going to stink again because they can't stay on the field. <laughs> listen, it only takes one season to stay on the field. You know, you just got right. you just got to stay healthy. For, and Paris Campbell, to his credit, did that last year. So it's not like he's coming off an injury plague season. Like Waller, you know, maybe coming off a season where he's been a little banged up. But Campbell just displayed that he is capable of staying healthy for the whole season. So did Daniel Jones. So did Saquon Barkley. So who's to say that that Waller, even at 31 years old, can't do the same? If anything, missing 14 games over the past two seasons means his body is fresher than most 31-year-olds in the NFL. Yeah, and and you got to look at the Raiders too. Uh, you know, just raise an eyebrow sometimes, Dan. I mean, Derek Carr, I think he knew he was on the way out. Guys probably knew 
when the new regime got in there, Josh McDaniels, that there were going to be some changes coming. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to drop a conspiracy theory, but sometimes when you have a soft, lingering soft tissue thing, <laughs> Kadarius Tony, uh, a lingering soft yeah, tissue injury exactly. that just won't go away. You just you never know if there's other things going on behind the scenes. Uh, so, yeah, so that's just that. But you mentioned the other Colt uh, on the defensive side, uh, Bobby Okereke, the inside linebacker. Uh, you mentioned he had a big game against the Giants last year. Didn't he make like every tackle in that game? Basically, yes, it was like, it was like ridiculous. Like it, he was it? he was all over the field. Uh, this is a, a guy that I think when people are grading the offseason moves, if people are kind of you know torn on the Waller one, maybe he's getting that that trade's getting good grades and bad grades from whoever. I think a lot of people are giving the Okereke signing uh, really good grades. Right, this is uh, one of those those signings that people are are really liking because of the versatility that he brings and how Martindale is going to be able to, to deploy a player like Bobby Okereke who played on some really good Colts defenses. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I know that, you know, uh, the common mantra is that they pay, they overpaid for him. I don't necessarily, maybe, maybe slightly. I, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it because quite frankly, it's not my money. We've had this conversation. Listen to that last pod. Yeah. I don't care how much money they spent for him. It doesn't matter as long as everything else works. So, yeah, I think it's a great addition. The Giants, you know, inside linebacker, middle linebacker has been a position that they've neglected for since Antonio Pierce last played in New York. So it, w- it was something that they had to address because it was a glaring weakness on the defensive side um, on the second level, not just against the run, but, you know, in coverage against tight ends and running backs has been long been a weakness for the Giants. And although, you know, he, he may not be far and away this great coverage linebacker he is certainly an improving coverage linebacker who as kevin hickey of colts wire said uh you know he's not gonna he may not win you games in coverage but he's certainly not going to lose you games there either um he's made it a point already this offseason to say that he looks to improve there um there you know he, wink martindale also told him that that he should expect a blitz more which should come as little surprise to anybody who watches a Wink Martindale defense. Um, So he's going to be used in a number of ways, and he's going to benefit the Giants defense in a number of ways. And, you know, undoubtedly improves what was their weakest defensive position by far, uh, especially when you look back at the end of last year when when you had, you know, Jalen Smith and and Micah McFadden. And and I'm not trying to knock them as players. It's just it's the reality is, is the the level of competition, the level of capability, it, it was significantly lower on the Giants than it was many other teams, and it's been that way for a long time. So this addition certainly shores that up and makes what was a weakness a strength, which is what you've seen with a lot of these moves that, that Joe Shane has made this offseason. He's not necessarily strengthening average positions. What he's doing is turning weaknesses into strengths, and, and that's sort of how he's revitalizing this roster, and it's going to pay huge dividends. Yeah, I agree 100%. I would never rip Jalen Smith as a person, but maybe as a player I would. I'm glad we have Bobby O'Kara. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. I think he has a chance to be one of the most impactful guys they brought in. Uh, he's just a tackling machine. He's just yeah. he's just awesome. I can't wait to see uh, how he looks on that Giants defense. And uh, we also got to talk about Nacho. You could do the whole... I know you've been practicing the name, Dan. So you can, you can tell us about <laughs> Nacho. Uh, but they beefed up uh, in the interior defensive line as well. Um, and... I saw you tweeting about Nacho, who comes over from the Bucks. Uh, you think he's going to be an instant fan favorite. And there's already a few of those on the Giants roster, so uh, we'll take yeah. more. A good camaraderie with Nacho coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, and uh, listen. Forget about his personality for a second, which I will rave about in a moment. Uh, 
you you heard us we talked about this ad nauseum last year during during the season about how Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams were playing entirely too many snaps and how anytime they came off the field they were getting gutted and uh you know Shane like I said earlier on the show was very transparent about the need to add defensive line depth to add defensive tackles to give uh you know Leonard Williams give Big Dex some rest and he really went in hard and wanted to focus on that and he's not done yet but Nacho is a great addition because he's going to be able to step right in as a rotational defensive tackle you're probably not going to see him very much at defensive end uh but he is a as a clear run stopping defensive tackle who's going to clog up things in the middle he's going to eat up more than one blocker and he will occasionally you know break through the line and and rush the passer it's not going to be like the high point of of what he contributes on defense um, um, but he fills a specific role that the Giants needed. He's comfortable in being that rotational player. He's a real team player in that regard. And I think that's going to bode well, not just on the field, but off of it. And that's even before his personality comes out. And, and as you said, he, he is, he's really a very charismatic, funny, loud uh, person. And I think that's going to bode really well for the Giants as well. Uh, I cannot wait to see him and Jihad Ward in the same room at the same time at the same place going back and forth. That's going to be one of the most entertaining things I've seen in the Giants locker room in a long, long time. Yeah, for sure. Good to have Jihad back as well. Um, he's a he's a he's the gift that yeah. keeps on giving for sure. Uh, while we're talking, and about- I'll tell you what, the Giants fans, just to, not to cut you off, Giants fans were absolutely thrilled to have Ward back. And uh, you know, there was a little bit of concern there that that wasn't going to happen. And regardless of how you know, pro football focus graded him last year. He's an invaluable member of that team as a leader, as a player, as a personality. So yeah, it is great to have him back as well. Well, I think Martin, didn't Martindale say that if he, if he took a head coaching job somewhere else, he was going to steal Ward. He's going to bring him with him. Yeah. Uh, He says he wants him with him wherever he goes. Yeah. Yeah, It's like his, yeah, he, he loves that guy. So, and speaking of circling back to Nacho, just talking about the defensive line, just, just a side topic, Dan, that I didn't even uh, talk about when we were prepping for the show. So sorry about this. I'm just throwing this curveball at you. Uh, we saw James Bradbury. I mean, maybe some people saw it coming. James Bradbury was a quote-unquote surprise cut, I'd say, last year around this time. Uh, Leonard Williams, do you think he could be a surprise cut? Or are, do you think they're going to figure out an no extension chance. with him? No, I, I don't no even, chance? I don't even know. Listen, no, ch- no chance in my mind. None. None whatsoever. Um, even if they're not able to work out some kind of restructured deal with him, I can't envision a scenario in which they let him go after adding just Nacho to the defensive line. And that, again, that's not a, that's not a knock on him as a player at all, but you know, Shane came into the offseason saying, this is a weakness of the team. We can't allow it to continue to be a weakness. I don't think he's going to cut Leonard Williams to save a few dollars after only adding a defensive tackle uh, and having no other alternative option uh, along that defensive end or at that defensive end position. So, no, I, I do not think by any stretch of the imagination that Leonard Williams is going to be cut. I also don't necessarily believe at least with any high probability that they're going to get a restructure done, even though Leonard Williams had said he might be open to discussing it. That's just not has been his MO throughout his career. Uh, he's a very savvy businessman and I just don't think he's going to flush any money down the toilet and mainly because he knows he has the leverage and that's all fair game. That's just how it is. Every player should get as much money as they possibly can uh, to set themselves up and their families up for as long as possible. So I, I don't have any issue with him taking that stance if that's what he ultimately chooses to do. Uh, but if he does, I still don't necessarily believe by any, you know, it, to any degree whatsoever that the Giants are going to cut him loose. Okay. Love it. I saw that question floating around a little bit, so I just wanted to throw it at you. But um, we, we mentioned uh, Jihad. And there's been some other notable 
re-signings for the Giants, and especially in the wide receiver room. We talked about some of them already, but Slayton back, Sterling Shepard back. That's, you know, Sterling Shepard, he's probably going to retire a Giant, right, at this point. He, yeah, he's not this, going this anywhere. might be, yeah, this might be his last season. Yeah. I hope it's not, but it, it very well could be. And and we got to remember with, with Shepard, he's not going to start the season. It's going to be, he's yeah. going to be, you know, a later a later on addition to this team. But Hodgins, Isaiah Hodgins back, Sterling Shepard back, Darius Slayton back. So they brought back those those three got yep. guys that have been around. Oh, I guess Hodgins hasn't been around, but we're going to keep him around now after how he played last year. Uh, Deservedly so. Yeah. So you have any thoughts on them bringing that those three core receivers from last year back to kind of mix in with Paris Campbell, Wandell Robinson, Darren Waller, that whole mm-hmm. that whole group? Well, you know how I feel about Shepard, and I think everybody who listens to this podcast yeah. or read my work knows I, how I feel and about I agree. Sterling Shepard. I agree. I love him yeah. too. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are critical of him because of the injuries, and that is what it is. I understand that. I understand the frustration with the injuries. To pretend that Sterling Shepard is not frustrated with the injuries is like a comical notion. Of course he is. There's a reason he stayed around the team last year after he was injured when many other injured players don't do that. That's the sort of value, the sort of leadership that he brings to this team. Uh, but on the field itself, again, you've heard me say this a million times, he is by far the Giants' best route runner. Um probably the most talented route runner this team has had that's not named Odell Beckham Jr. in a long time. Um, he, he brings a tremendous value to Daniel Jones as sort of a security blanket. He always, you know, has great field awareness, knows exactly where he's supposed to be at all times, is able to get those extra yards if need be. There's no dropping issues generally with him. Uh, he's just an electric talent when he's healthy. And I hope for his sake he comes back this season, and uh, whether it's midway through the season or what, and he finishes strong. And if he does go out, that he goes out on his own terms, which is something that he's previously said. But ideally – and, and maybe this is just a Sterling Shepard fan in me. I hope he plays, stays healthy, plays well enough, and, and gets another year or two out of this and maybe sticks with this team as they head towards the Super Bowl, which is where I ultimately think they're going. And um, as far as the other players, you know, when you looked at the wide receiver market, but, you know, from top down, you know, you look at Odell up at the top and then you kind of, there's the Juju Smith-Schusters and a couple of those other guys out there. When it, when it came to production and consistency from a wide receiver who was age 30 or under, there was actually no one on the market that was more consistent or more productive than Darius Slayton. And, you know, you can argue night and day about his, his drop issues. And, and listen, they are some level of concern, but they're something that can be fixed. You know, they're not the be-all, end-all when it comes to, uh, to Slayton. But he he does bring a consistent level of play to this offense. It's not He's not a wide receiver one. He's never going to be a wide receiver one. But you could basically, you know, count him in for 700 yards and five-plus touchdowns every single season, and that's what you're going to get from him. So at whatever position and wherever on the depth chart they where he ultimately ends up landing, that's what you're going to get from him. So in terms of an investment, you can't get more quality for your investment than getting that guaranteed return that you're going to get out of him. And, you know, I think you can expect that again this year. Him and Daniel Jones have a great rapport. Um, you know, they work well together. They're friends outside of the game of football, so that obviously helps too. So I think those are all, you know, it's great to bring those guys back. Hodgins, obviously, we've talked about him quite a bit Um you know, it, not just this offseason, but last year as well. He's another quality player who's ascending where he ends up going and where his ceiling is. I'm not 100% sure, but I am sure that he hasn't reached it yet. So, again, that's a quality depth player that the Giants are going to be able to rely on. He also had tremendous field awareness. Uh, he displayed 
you know, an ability to quickly pick up the offense. Granted, he was somewhat familiar with it already, but not entirely. And he picked that up quick. So his football IQ was clearly off the charts. Uh, he's already working with Paris Campbell this offseason, which is great. Daniel Jones is going to fly out to Arizona and work with them. So you, you could already see, you know, uh, the wheels turning as, as far as some of these new guys and some of these returning guys. And it's just nice for the Giants to have depth at wide receiver, you know, for a change. And we haven't even talked about Jeff Smith, who has the potential to be another quality addition, uh, maybe not a high-end addition, but a contributing addition. So the Giants at both tight end and wide receiver have now gone from very thin to very deep. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. And I, and I like that they've mixed in new guys with uh, and, and retained some guys, too. Like like you said, I think the rapport thing with, with Daniel Jones is important. Uh, so you you're not just completely starting over at wide receiver you've got a nice mix you got Paris Campbell coming in you mentioned Jeff Smith he might be more of a special teamer right Dan uh but yeah he's probably going to largely play special teams but listen he'll he'll factor in at some point or another yeah but you bring back Hodgins who obviously was just like it looked like he just walked waltzed into the living room sat on the couch and yeah, was as amazing. comfortable as could be right he was just yeah, it was just it's a crazy. perfect fit so it's great to have him back Darius Slayton I'm excited about too uh, I thought I thought he might get signed elsewhere but uh, I did too. Yeah, much like Sterling Shepard, he's back, uh, and and just like you said, I echo everything you said about Sterling Shepard. I mean, how could you be mad at a guy who took less to stay with the Giants and then had his knee explode without cutting? He just was running down the field and his knee mm-hmm. gave out. So how can you be mad at him for that? It's like, come on. So yeah, what's what's ironic about that kind of thing? And uh, you know, I won't turn this into any long you know diatribe, but no what's ironic about that is these fans will complain night and day about the turf and how bad the turf and how dangerous the turf is and how all the injuries are the turf's fault. And then Slayton gets injured on what was clearly a turf related injury. And they're like, Oh, injury, prone, injury prone. He sucks. Get rid of him. It's like, come on, you can't have it both ways, man. Aren't they fixing the turf, Dan, as we speak? Isn't that I, in progress? Yeah, the turf is the turf has been completely removed from MetLife Stadium. Thank yes, God. Yep. Let's just get that mm-hmm. story out of here and, and hopefully keep our freaking receivers healthy. Right. Uh, just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We got to mention, so, you know, we're excited about the new additions. Obviously, Darren Waller. I'm super excited about that. The guys that are back, we just talked about them. Uh, there have been some key departures that we should we should hit on. Uh, we talked about Julian Love in our last podcast episode, uh, which we also covered the Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley stuff uh, in that episode. So if folks haven't listened, uh, definitely check that out for us. Let us know how, if you like it. Uh, but Julian Love uh, moved on to Seattle. The contract was reasonable, right? It wasn't like a ridiculous contract by any means. Uh, also, I, I read on the in The Athletic, that his new deal with the Seahawks was less than what the Giants offered in season last year, Dan. So Correct. Yep. I could understand. I wasn't sure you were going to know that. Yeah, <laughs> I knew. I, I was. I read the article in the Athletic. So it's like the uh, if Giants fans are a little annoyed that Julian Love moved on, uh, I get it. But wh- why do you think this didn't work out between player and team? It's a really strange scenario. It really is because the Giants did offer him, you know, more than he signed for. He didn't think it was enough. He tested the market. The market was low. 
you knew the market at safety was going to be low on day one of free agency. Listen, right, right. It was obvious that it wasn't going to be where he thought it was going to be. Um, so he eventually gets that offer. He brings it back to the Giants, and the Giants pass. I, why they passed at that number when they had offered him more previously, I don't know. Obviously, there was some lines crossed, some level of miscommunication, maybe some hard feelings in there somewhere. Uh, but ultimately, he ended up signing with Seattle for less than what the Giants had originally offered him. So, you know, he gambled on the market and lost on the market. And, um, you know, the Giants, somewhat surprisingly, were willing to let him walk, uh, considering he, how valuable he was both as a captain and as a, and as a player. Um, they went out and signed Bobby McCain as a potential replacement for him. I'm not exactly high on him as a safety uh, although some will tell you that he's great deep. I, you know, everybody from Washington that I've talked to said that that's not the case. He could play 40 yards down the field and still get burnt is what they told me. But <laughs> as a, as a cornerback, they changed him to cornerback last year and he actually played exceptionally well. So maybe that's the giants intent, but at least for right now, it looks like um, they're going to rely on him potentially to be a Julian love replacement. Although I'm, you know, I'm of the understanding that they're also extremely high on Jason Pinnock who kind yep. of flew under yep. the radar yep. last year. Um, so he very well could end up be one of the starting safety pieces because Wink Martindale loved him. Uh, Dave's loved him. Joe Shane is high on him. They, they seem to believe that he's got an awfully high ceiling. So maybe McCann comes in and, and plays a versatile secondary role where he kind of bounces around, which is great for a Wink Martindale defense. Uh, but still, it, it does seem strange that, you know, a couple dollars is what ultimately led to uh, Julian Love leaving. And I think at the end of the day, and this is, not anything I know, just something I believe from an you know from an outside perspective. It, it just really seemed like there were some hard feelings there, and the Giants were kind of like, "You did it to yourself. Good luck." Yeah, I think the most surprising part about it was, and you said it right at the beginning of your commentary there, captain, captain, right? You let your captain move yeah. on. Uh, one of your, well, co-captain, I should say, whatever. Uh, that is surprising, right? And you're one of the leaders mm-hmm. in your locker room, one of your best players on defense. When again the Two years, twelve million. <laughs> it was not a ridiculous contract yeah. that Seattle gave no, Julian Love. Uh, but yeah, I, I was going to ask you about Jason Pinnock actually. So you already covered that. Uh, they might feel like they have some. Obviously, we still have Xavier McKinney at safety. Uh, you know, they might feel like they have some in-house guys that that can make the jump. So we'll we'll see. We'll be talking about that during training camp, I think. Uh, no doubt. Uh, another departure that we should talk about is Nick Gates, and just I don't know. Tip of the cap. Good job. God, we're all we're all pl- we're all applauding Nick Gates that he got that he got yeah, a three year yeah. deal oh, from from Washington. Dude, I could not be happier for Nick Gates that he got his money. Really, truly, even if it's from Washington, like after everything that that guy has gone through and everything he came back from, and all the sacrifices that he made, he deserved to make that money. There's just I hate that it was Washington. I hate that it was Washington, but Gates absolutely deserved that bag, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. Uh, you know, he said to some Giants the other day, uh, Giants fans on Twitter, he said, I'm, I love you guys forever. Uh, you're my friends forever, except for two days of the year. And, um, you know, it's going to suck. It's going to suck to see Nick Gates, um, you know, play against the Giants twice a year, especially since you know who he is and what he brings to the table. He's tenacious he's non-stop he's gonna get under your skin he's gonna talk trash he's gonna start some fights uh that's just that's just who the guy is my favorite kind of another (laughs) yeah loved i love nick gates i'll I'll forever love nick gates i'll forever respect and thank him for what he did uh in coming back and all the sacrifices he made um it is sad to see him go and and like julian love you got to remember two years ago he was voted a captain so the giants have essentially lost two captains this offseason which you know as well as they've done in free agency there is a little bit of a locker room hit that they've taken. 
No doubt about it. So Nick Gates heads to Washington. Uh, John Feliciano's now with the 49ers. So I think this is why, you know, you you didn't go all in with saying, oh, look at Daniel Jones's shiny options. It's going to be great because you said the offensive line, especially the interior mm-hmm. offensive line, especially the position of center who's snapping yeah. the ball to Daniel Jones uh, is now um, a major need. Right, Dan, as we head into the, you know, the, I guess the secondary wave of free agency. I think the splashy part is now behind us, but uh, the secondary wave of free agency and the draft, we're, we're looking at interior offensive line. We're looking at center. Yeah, uh, center's a big one. Center's a big one, not just because it's a glaring hole, on, on, you know, on the roster right now. But again, we talk about rapport earlier. You know, that center quarterback exchange is, is sort of a big deal. So when you bring in a new center and you start a new center, especially if it ends up being a rookie, you know, that's a recipe for some potential disaster there, which the Giants can ill afford. So it's they're going to have to be very careful about how they go about that. And I know that some people have talked about the option of starting Ben Bredesen, a natural guard at center. I don't necessarily believe that's a perfect solution to this problem. We saw that last year with John Feliciano, where he moved from guard to center for the first time, and it was sort of a, and it kind of works, but it's not particularly wonderful. The Giants at some point have or another have to get beyond that that mindset of, well, this, this offensive line was absolutely horrible, and now it's meh, kind of serviceable. They need to catch back up to the rest of the NFC East because – while they've addressed many of their other needs at various other positions and closed the gap there, they've actually taken a step back in terms of where they are along the offensive line. So whatever resources are left, and granted there is not a lot in terms of offensive linemen that are left to pick from in free agency, they're going to have to be very specific and methodical in how they approach that in the NFL draft. And I'm of the belief as of right now, as things stand, that that first pick in the first round uh, that they have is going to be used on a center. It almost has to be used on a center at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think if you're guessing what the Giants are going to do, if you're, you know, working with your mock draft at home or whatever, to those listening, you're you're probably targeting center in the first round, franchise center. Uh, which you, ne- you never want to be like beholden to your top need, right? In the draft, and you no, want to be able to pick never. the best player. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's such a it's such a glaring need, and I don't know. Like you look at the centers that are available out there. Uh, can we just get Jason Kelsey? He'd be a nice addition. Yeah, no, right. I guess, I guess we can't get that lucky, but are, well, are you comfortable you what, with like, that, Dan? Are you comfortable with them going center in the draft and him being the guy snapping the ball to Daniel Jones year one? Like, it, Does that make you comfortable as a fan? Well, I think, I think the best approach is need meets value. And where the Giants are at number 25, it's almost fitting and good for them because a guy like you know, John Michael uh, Schmitz is going to, he's going to fall to that point and you're going to have an opportunity to take arguably the best center uh, prospect in the entire draft. Now, do you still feel comfortable with a rookie, even a top end rookie coming in and assuming that starting role and that key role where you touch the ball on every single offensive play of the entire season? I don't, I don't know that any team feels particularly comfortable with that scenario, but the Giants have sort of backed themselves into a corner where they might have to be comfortable with that scenario unless they could dig up some kind of, you know, veteran center on free agency who's going to come in and be some sort of stop, you know, or bridge to bridge to the next guy. So, you know, there are a couple options out there. I don't know if any of them are any more appealing than a top end prospect. Um but early on in the season, I think if it is a rookie center that's snapping the ball to Jones, it's 
it's not going to be perfect. And I think people are going to have to have some patience with that because there's going to be uh, an obvious and clear adjustment period, especially in the NFC East where you're playing big nose tackles, big defensive tackles, physical guys who are familiar with you know each other and things like that. So there are certainly going to be some growing pains if that's the way the Giants ultimately go here. All right, Dan, I'll give you like 10 seconds. You want to check Twitter? Did, did Adam Schefter, did Art Stapleton, anyone breaking news out there? Did the Giants do anything while we were talking? Uh, does not look like it. Okay, I'll thank tell God. you what, we're, re- we're recording this on Thursday morning. Not sure when it's going to go up, but uh, I will tell fans, if you hear this before anything else happens, I'll whisper it to you. There's going to be some more moves here shortly. <laughs> All right, there it is. Nice <laughs> teaser. So keep your eyes on uh, Giants Wire Twitter, Giants Wire, um, Giants Wire website. That's where it's all going down. Dan, go take a nap, man. Go take a nap. You, you've, you've been working if too I, hard. Listen, if I, I'll tell you what. If I take a nap right now, the Giants are going to make 17 signings. <laughs> if you close your eyes, you don't wake up at this point, right? You guys have been working <laughs> nonstop you can't, at Giants Wire. Yeah. Yeah. Can't so. even take a shower. Can't even, can't even go to the store because everything will happen at that exact. You'll sit here in front of the computer for 10 hours straight. Nothing will happen. You walk away for two seconds and then bang, everything. There it is. You're like, all right. I'm going to quickly take a shower while you're in the shower. Yeah. Giants trade for Darren. Well, the, exactly. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, don't, don't pity me. It's all of my it's, colleagues. It's, and it's very fun for them. One of them, yeah. one of them just told you, what was it recently that they can't even go to sleep because they know something's going to happen. Exactly. When they go to bed. Sleeping with one eye open yeah. uh, with the phone. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, but you guys do great work. So everyone should be checking out Dan's work on Giants wire. Uh, Dan, it's always fun. We're going to get back on here soon to uh, really dive into the draft. I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's at that point already. I mean, talk about a fast offseason. We're headed into draft coverage now. So we'll be doing that pretty much for the next month. We'll give this, you know, last wave of free agency a couple more days. You got mostly pro days and prospect meetings now, top 30s, uh, things of that nature. So we're really going to kick up the draft coverage here. And obviously it's going to be very interesting for the Giants because they've got 10 picks remaining, uh, plenty more roles to fill. Like we were talking about specifically along the offensive line. So a lot of work still to be done, a lot of news still to be shared. So stay tuned, the Giants wire. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That's the place to be. So for Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always for joining us. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.